Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. How about them Cowboys? There you go. There you go. Of course, Sean Martin, uh, who you can find on Twitter at Sean Martin NFL, is referencing Jimmy Johnson getting finally put where, Sean? In the Cowboys' ring of honor. Uh, What a surreal moment, right? I mean, I know I'm more excited to hear your thoughts on this, you know, being the better Cowboys historian of the two of us as far as, you know, living through the Jimmy days and all that, but still, no matter what generation or type of Cowboys fan you are, you have to say it's surreal to finally see this storyline fade away, to see it go from speculation to a positive moment with the two of them sharing that pregame on Fox and pregame before this kickoff against Carolina. And my favorite part of it was just a big graphic that came up. I mean, that was just kind of, it was almost like comically large graphic that came up, like he finally did it. And it was like, like a birthday, you know, shout out thing that you see on a jumbotron at the game type of thing so i got a little bit of a laugh out of that um you know the way fox had that graphic ready but no complaints about how it was done and the manner of which uh you know jerry and jimmy discussed it and to see their friendship uh you know come together over this obviously a really cool moment that uh, prefaced uh, another cowboys win that we get to talk about so happy victory monday out there and yeah we got a whole lot to get to yeah the way that jerry said 19 19- 23. Yeah. I mean, that was just perfect, you know, for the way that uh, Jerry's been. But, but I, I think that's some of it as well is, um, you know, Jerry's really taking a, uh, and it's not because of like Jerry's, you know, because I think Jerry will outlive everybody. Um, it's that he's noted the passage of time himself with some of his teammates on the Arkansas team that are no longer around and so forth. And so I think it's just really him taking inventory and saying, you know what, let's just go ahead and do it. Let's put Jimmy in the ring of honor while we both can enjoy it. will happen on December 30th when the team plays the Detroit Lions, who I was out and about doing a couple of things today. I was convinced they lost that game to the Bears. I still need to go back and look at how they actually turned the tides there and made that late comeback. But, yeah, that's setting up to be a class of two top NFC teams, so you couldn't even ask for more when it comes to, you know, the build up for this moment that's so well-earned and been so long-awaited for Jimmy. He even gets to uh, have it partake in what could be a really high-flying, high-scoring, uh, super-entertaining game that I'm willing to bet the uh, ticket demand for ATT Stadium that day, if it wasn't already high, it just went up quite a bit. Yeah, definitely, because... You know, now you'll get to see basically the burying of the hatchet. I mean, this in a way is the apology for it's like Jerry's apology. And I hope that the fans, you know, who were around then understand it. This is the closest you'll ever get to Jerry Jones apologizing for fire or mutually deciding 
to part ways <laughs> with Jimmy Johnson after the after the Super Bowl twenty eight victory. This is the closest you will ever get. I say this with one specific um, BTB staffer in mind. He used this phrase and none other than our managing editor RJ Ochoa because I know how much of a fan he is. But you know, like you're saying there, it goes back on something else that you've talked about with this team and we're very vocal about, particularly after some of the tough losses this year would have been the Eagles game. We talked about this and you can't have your cake and eat it too when it comes to some of these subjects. And you can't parade around the fact that they stay relevant even when they lose because Jerry does such a good job in the media, making sure that stays the case and they don't need these big wins. And you can't have that and say that you're relevant no matter what, but then also not honor you know, what made you truly relevant, which is winning Super Bowls. And that's exactly what Jimmy Johnson did here. Of course, nobody needs me or anybody else to remind you of that. But yeah, you can't have it both ways of, you know, we, we were once relevant. That's why we're still relevant. But the head coach that built so much of what we did here, so much of what we did here. I mean, you could speak more on that and we could do a whole show and we could do a whole week's, month's worth of shows on, you know, the nuances of how Jimmy turned around the roster and, the way they, they scout and everything and, you know, modernizing what this Cowboys team did and it worked and it brought them to the championship level that they still like to brag about to this day. So, yeah, to see that finally culminate in every time you walk into the stadium, you get to see Jimmy's name up there. It's everything that's already been said about it. It's well-deserved. It's an honor and uh, it'll be cool to see what comes out of that game against the Lions as far as the ceremony and, you know, all the media that day will be uh, an added hype to an important game already on the schedule. Yeah, and what's funny is the Lions gave Cowboy Jimmy Johnson, because I should say the Jaguars actually gave Jimmy Johnson, but Lions gave uh, Cowboy Jimmy Johnson his worst playoff defeat in 1991, (laughs) you know? So that's the other fun part about the Lions uh, being the particular opponent of that game. And one last thing. And I think everybody, I wish this would catch on, is what Jerry Jones has found a way to do with the Dallas Cowboys and how their number one attention always talked about no matter what happened in the postseason. It's like Jerry has found a way to have a Super Bowl parade without winning a Super Bowl. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's what I was getting at with you know, what you what you brought up after the Eagles loss, but all things considered, I mean, let's transition to talking about this Panthers game and how this puts, we don't want to jump too far ahead and say, you know, this puts the Cowboys right back in Super Bowl conversation, but it's certainly a, a confidence-building win, you know. We'll see how everybody else follows on this, but it's, it wasn't just quite the minus blowout against a bad team, which I think is a good thing. We'll get into that, but yeah, they had to handle a little bit of adversity, a little bit of game pressure, but it was still that complimentary style in all three phases that really worked to its charm again. And, you know, personally, I just think this win really built a lot of confidence to continue to talk about this team as a contender. So we don't know where they're going yet, of course, and this week isn't any bigger than any other week where they've won or lost. But, yeah, as far as having to throw in this Jimmy News because the team is, you know, seemingly not up to the par of still having everything out in front of them this season, I don't think that's the case, but... Whether it is or isn't, you know, the time has come and gone to put Jimmy in the ring of honor. That's why it was such a great way to start the day. But the day didn't just end there as far as good news for Cowboys fans. This was a uh, really nice win to hang your hat on in a lot of ways. 
well, let's go ahead and be like a city councilor in a, a city deep in the heart of Texas and pull items out of order on the consent agenda and just go ahead and talk about it. Do you prefer uh, big blowouts like what happens when the Giants play the Cowboys? Or do you prefer more <laughs> conventional wins like these? By the way, update on my Giants fans, friends, group chat that I like to participate in. They were heartily rooting for us. They were fully in draft mode. So they were, they have reached the point of being completely annoyed when their team wins, which, you know, you said it best last week of it's not good for the sealed. That this is the state of the Giants. Well, you know, it's permeated into a fan base that was once proud. Now just hoping that they can draft to seemingly Daniel Jones' replacement. But that's for another time and place. Hey, I am a fan of, you know, the way that the Cowboys went on to win this game. You know, the Panthers cut the lead to one score at one point, of course. It was 17 to 10. That was an important drive for the Cowboys to get the ball back right there. What are they going to do? Is it going to be, you know, a punch situation and here we go? The game, really all day, didn't feel like it was ever, even within that one score range. I mean, it just felt like the Cowboys were doing enough to consistently, you know, put their foot back on the gas whenever they needed to. And that drive is exactly what happened. I mean, they went down there. Besides one Jalen Tolbert catch, the only players who touched the ball in that entire scoring drive to really help the Avalanche start were CDLM, Tony Pollard, Jake Ferguson. I mean, that's just knowing how to go to your guys, knowing how to go who Dak Prescott trusts, which is a growing list of players, but who he really trusts and who has made big plays all year. And that's Lamb and Ferguson to start off. And that's helped the ground game, particularly in this game, get going a bit as well with Pollard ending that drive. with I think Mike McCarthy's reaction was so awesome, so brilliant. And I think it sums up all of our reactions. I mean, I was jumping up and down a bit in my living room for sure. But Pollard, just a vintage, you know, dare I say, Ezekiel Elliott type of run, puts the foot in the ground. Zach Martin opens up the hole, bursts up the middle, breaks a couple of tackles, and here we go, two score lead. Everything's going to be great. You couldn't ask for a better player to score that type of touchdown to alleviate the rest of the game pressure and make sure this was going to go the way the Cowboys wanted to. Then Tony Pollard, that really capped off why I think this is, you know, almost a perfect type of win in terms of having to battle through some things and earn as a team that, you know, as this thing goes on, we're already talking about Thanksgiving game being the next one, which is hard to believe, right? As this thing goes on, those big, gaudy 40-10 to 10 wins, the 50-point performances, those are harder to come by. So you still want to win definitively in games that you can do so, but they might just look a little bit closer on the scoreboard. This one certainly did, but the Cowboys were super impressive in a lot of areas nonetheless. Well, what you want to demonstrate, I think, is just the ability to churn and melt clock, you know, um, if you're able to demonstrate that, uh, then, you know, that shows that you can use these scenarios later on in bigger games. And, you know, now you have a body of work uh, to show that you can actually do that. Yeah, this team needed game pressure situations. They needed, you know, being able to react to a close game. But isn't it awesome how, you know, every time Mike McCarthy gets criticized in the media for one of his comments, he almost immediately turns it around and proves that, you know, we can, in the words of Aaron Rodgers, relax and not take it so seriously. And then he fleshes it out to something that actually helps his team. I mean, in the all season, it was the run game. And then they come out and they've been throwing the ball over the yard. And then recently, it's been this whole complimentary 
style, you know, oh, what does that mean? Does it mean old school, cloud of dust, run the ball three times, punt, play defense, because that's the strength of your team? No, it sure doesn't. You know, we saw that not just today, but all season. But that's what this win signaled to me. I mean, just the complimentary style of, okay, the offense isn't going to be super high flying today. They're, you know, they're making plays, but it's just a little bit in the mud. They're not on their A game. They're on their A minus game or B plus game. What can the defense do to, to make up for it? Well, they got after the quarterback. They unleashed Michael Parsons, who's, of course, annoyed that you know, he didn't get in the stack column against the Giants, but he didn't need to, and they still won, so that was its own positive sign. But you do want to see Parsons be able to take over a game whenever he can, and he sort of did that. So they unleashed Parsons. They unleashed the rest of the pass rush. Eventually, they got the Deron Bland pick six, and all was good there. But, yeah, complimentary style of football doesn't mean, you know, we have to play the one-game script and, when that gets thrown off, things aren't going to go our way. They just have all their fingerprints, you know, at, at the coordinator level on these wins, and it's so great to watch. I mean, McCarthy calling the offense. There were some bumps in the road in this game. It wasn't all perfect, but, you know, you can use these types of games to work through some things when you feel like you have the game in control. And at one point, they, they certainly did that, on the, not only through the eye test, but the scoreboard eventually opened up to, um, you know, you take Dak Prescott out of the game and, Oh, that was good. But Dan Quinn's fingerprints all over the defense. We know about that. That's nothing new. And then, of course, you can't forget John Fossil, not only calling the special teams, but really helping with some of McCarthy's game day responsibilities, too. So when he says complimentary style, it means he trusts these two longtime coaches and Quinn and Fossil to really have a big influence on the game. McCarthy himself has an influence, of course, calling these plays, putting Dak Prescott firmly in the MVP conversation. And I mean, you, you just tell me from this perspective, what team out there right now, Eagles included, wants to run into this Dallas team? I mean, you tell me you have to prepare for those coordinators and this personnel and the way Dak is playing and Parsons. And what team wants to draw Dallas right now? The Eagles, the 49ers, uh, the Chiefs. But, yeah, that's who I, you know, would put ahead of Dallas at this point. I'll take my chances against that Chiefs team. That would be... A lot of fun to see. I mean, Eagles, we talked about last week as far as how this Cowboys team is trying to prove each week a little bit more that, you know, they're fired up for that game. And, and they, of course, will be. But trying to play to that game of knowing they can avenge that loss and still play for something here in the NFC East. So, yeah, you are right that they do at the moment hold the head-to-head win. So they won't back down from playing the Cowboys again. But the way the Cowboys are playing, it, it sure feels well, like the I... makings are in for a different type of game when they come to AT&T Stadium for that night game. Well, when I look at just who's out there that's consistent enough through all three phases, that's it. I mean, the Steelers, I mean, the Browns have a great defense, but their offense is suspect. Um, you could go with uh, a really hot team at the moment in either the Jaguars or the Texans. but they're, you know, so they're, you know, inconsistent that they may show up and get blown out by Dallas, like what happened to Minnesota last year in the pre-Thanksgiving game. But so that's what I'm saying. Kansas City, Philadelphia, and San Francisco. I think that they would match or exceed Dallas's all three phase approach. Right, right now. 
Yeah, I don't know how I forgot about the 49ers. I mean, I guess it's good on a personal level that 42 to 10 is out of my head. But for the sake of recording this show, yeah, I should have mentioned the uh, the 49ers in there. But it's going to be a long while until we have to potentially talk about that matchup. So let's just stick to, you know, what's in the front view mirror for this Cowboys team right now. It's, of course, a win against Carolina and a short turnaround for a divisional game on Thanksgiving, which is always interesting as they welcome the commanders. Well, let me ask you this. How much of the big sack performance, because they really got after Bryce Young, how much of that do you think can carry over into Washington and Seattle and beyond? I think a lot of it carries over. I think it's the great equalizer for this team as pass rush. You know, if any one thing in all those phases that we're, you know, checking off as a positive in our recap of this win right now, if any one thing isn't working, and in this game you could say maybe what wasn't working at times in the first half was the offense just being a little bit click off here or there. Pass rush is a great equalizer, you know, winning and losing in the trenches. The Cowboys trust their guys up front in the offensive line more and more each week, but it's really the defensive line that is setting the tone. Parsons getting after it, of course, was great to see on the heels of that Giants game. So, yeah, I think it is sustainable, and I think a bigger reason for that is – you, know, you look at that long Panthers scoring drive. No other, I should say no other. A lot of other teams aren't going to, you know, be patient enough to take the type of checkdowns that the Panthers basically called to. Yeah, got them back in the game, but you know, at what cost? As far as really shortening things, and that drive felt more just like they were already waving the white flag, and let's just get some positive momentum going for Bryce Young here. Then it really felt like, oh, they scored, and now they're going to be able to do it again, to go actually win this game or tired at the very least. It didn't feel like that because it was a 17-play scoring drive where the longest play was 16 yards. The longest play of the game was 20 yards, and that set up the only other scoring drive, which was a field goal. So, you know, other teams aren't going to take these across-the-line-of-scrimmage type throws that Young was using to avoid hits and getting abused back there more in the pocket. So, you know, the Eagles kind of did, and that's what was frustrating about that loss as far as you couldn't affect Hurts enough to force them into more deep throws that maybe you could have taken advantage of. So the Eagles kind of showed that, you know, if you can be patient against this Cowboys defense, good things happen. It neutralizes their pass rush just a bit, but I don't think the new model to get after Dan Quinn's defense has been revealed just because Bryce Young had a 17-yard scoring drive on you and, and the Eagles beat you that you can take these short passes. You know, eventually Deron Bland's going to get his hands on one. Marquise Bell, or I thought Damone Clark had another very strong game. They were going to make something happen. So or, you know, we know in today's nature of the NFL, when you have that many snaps, you're going to get a false start or hold somewhere in there along the way as well. So, yeah, that's why I think this pass rush is all the more reason to be excited about this team. They did it against the Giants without Parsons, and now they did it against the Panthers with Parsons stealing the show, and they can really continue to overwhelm teams that way. At least that's certainly what I expect. That's almost triangle of triumph worthy that they had a 7 Team yeah. play drive against a Dan Quinn defense and didn't turn it over. I do have a fun, you know, we all know the drill for my triangle of triumph these days. It's two things in the game and one of just whatever's happening uh, basically in my life that week. So I do have a fun one for that third leg. But uh, rest assured to our dear listeners, I will never put an opposing team's thing in my triangle of triumph. Didn't you do that last week? I, I'm not... I did, yeah. yeah okay, Bull. and that yeah, was cool. Yeah. So, you know, you just have a bigger heart than me is what we're, what we're learning here, basically. But, um, yeah, I will never uh, stray and put an opposing team in my triangle of triumph. But you're still welcome to because the Randy Bullock thing was actually deserved and uh, 
you know, I don't, I don't want to seem like too bad of a person for saying that wasn't, but yeah, my triangle will be two things, Cowboys and one, and one of whichever's on my mind. Yeah. And, um, again, it's Bryce Young. I mean, just to, uh, bring it back, you know, to have a 17 play drive like that, you know, cause that is what they want because Quinn and the defense haven't figured the more plays you're out there, the more you'll screw up. Yeah, it's funny how hearing that, you know, that's been like a calling card that we used to hear all the way back to the Rod Marinelli defenses. And like I said already with, you know, McCarthy kind of not in the same demeanor and tone, but he says things similar to Garrett in the way of, you know, it's a cliche, but then he actually goes out there and shoves it in the face of everybody and uses it as a way to win the game as opposed to just a cliche that, you know, maybe won, maybe lost. We don't really know. And it wasn't consistently good enough, but yeah, that whole concept of hanging your hat on, oh, if we just make the offense run a bunch of plays, I'll just blow themselves up. I mean, that was just like the Marinelli line of thinking, but they never actually took it to the opposing offense enough to make that happen. It was just a wish and a prayer that they'll beat themselves, and that wasn't good enough. But, you know, Quinn has elevated that thinking of, you know, if you want to drive long on us, you're going to start seeing some exotic looks. How cool was the Demarcus Lawrence, Oso Digizua twist play that led to a big sack? you know, getting DeMarcus more on the move and up against some of these guards. Saw him have a big game. So, yeah, Quinn was in his bag as far as dialing up some exotic defenses to confuse Bryce Young. And the more snaps you play, the more you're going to see some of those exotics and the more you have to line up against Parsons. So he's really taking that whole thinking to the next level. And that is what's refreshing about the Quinn defense is, yeah, there's Micah Parsons and, you know, he's a star pass rusher. But look who else were recording sacks. You had Demarcus Lawrence, Torrance Armstrong, uh, Sam Williams, John C. Olston, Javon, I mean, J. Ron Cars, you know. So you had multiples, not just one guy having a big day. Let me ask you this. Where's your head at on this Cowboys run defense? You know, it seemed like any of the big gains they gave up on the ground this game were kind of a uh, not conceding it, but they were just kind of, you know, saying, okay, we'll take that, you know, red zone, we can clamp down if it gets that far. But it seemed like they were almost willing to give up some plays and they weren't out of position too much. You know, I thought they, the Panthers took advantage of Javon Coast a couple of times. Greg Olson pointed that out too. You know, they got the running back to the second level against him and he was a step behind a couple of times, but that happens and Coase is still in position to make plays more times. Then he's not, so I'm not worried there, but yeah, it was a little bit concerning at times to see some of these run plays get up the field, but you just knew they were going to be able to clamp down when they needed to, it seems. But, you know, what were your thoughts on how they defended the run? I think sometimes when Mike McCarthy has talked about how um, putting together a game day roster is such a chore, you know, and... I think that some of putting together that roster leads over into how you draw up the game plan on certain things. So you figure out where you're going to run rich, where you're going to run lean in certain areas. And then that just kind of affects your strategy because it didn't look like, you know, they didn't know how or they've never proven before how to stop the run in that particular aspect you're mentioning. 
but it just looked like they figured, well, we'll have to run lean here and just hope that the vulnerability that works, you know, exposing doesn't, you know, isn't our undoing. That's just what it looked like. Yeah, it felt like the upside of having more pass rushers on the field was, you know, far too good against a rookie quarterback that's been hit, you know, so many times already. The upside of having that was too high to take those guys off the field. And you would have liked to see guys who I mentioned last week, like Jonathan Hankins and Mozzie Smith, continue to build on a big game. But, you know, different personnel to what you saw against the Giants who were going to pack it in and hand the ball to Saquon Barkley. We knew that would be their focus, so that helped those interior guys fly out. So you would have liked to build on that. But that's just not how the Panthers play. They spread you out, and you just and Dan Quinn just said, "Okay, that's cute. We're going to match up with pass rushers and win our one-on-ones like we do. And you want to run it a bit on us, that's fine. But we're going to beat your tackles and get to the quarterback, and that's how you win a game. And that's exactly what happened." Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. Let me ask you this: Do you think now you know the Cowboys? Um, they were two of four in the red zone. Um, but they were one to one in goal to go. Uh, do you think that their red zone issues were unique to this game, or that the red zone issues, you know, are typical to what we've seen throughout the season? I'm just going to comment on the entire offense as far as game plan wise, what I saw from this game, because I think that it still answers your question. I saw an offense that the only thing that could that stopped them or could have stopped them was themselves today. And that's an exciting sign. Yeah, that is not in any way a negative that I'm saying there as far as it looked like a game where, you know, they weren't disrespecting their opponent, of course, and the fact that this was at any point a one-score game in the second half flushes that out. But I saw a game plan again where McCarthy, you know, almost was running through too many options and, you know, really just continuing to try to see what he has. And this late in the year, it was almost a quiet sense of, confidence but mixed with arrogance of like we can still just run out new looks and let's see you know i haven't called this in a while let's see how it looks and if it doesn't work we'll just go back to something that does work i mean it's almost a little bit baffling to see to see that but yeah i just saw an offense where they were not being held back by the panthers defense it was all just their own wrinkles their own things that they still need to work on that, that we should have full confidence that they are going to indeed work on and on the short week lean more into those you know, base calls that you know have been working and that they can execute those as well. But they're just continuing to figure out what works for them. CDLM mentioned this week to the media that his speed paired with Brandon Cook's speed was going to be part of how they can get Tony Pollard going. And not so much vertically did did that happen in this game, but you really saw it as this team starts to figure out that they can use that speed horizontally to stretch the field and then get Pollard going. We know Pollard's best plays are to the outside. His touchdown run, even though it was up the middle, it was on a pitch motion where he took that first jab step to the outside off left tackle. And even that was enough to, you know, from Pollard himself to set up a big play for himself. But guys like Liam Cooks and Turpin, they're helping Pollard by, you know, getting defenders out of the box and lightning boxes with their horizontal speed and stretching defenses that way. And that's how this team is finally figuring out how to run the ball up the middle more, which is a bona fide way to help your red zone offense along with these tight ends continuing to show up and take focus and making some huge plays on Luke Schoonmaker scoring a touchdown, which is really nice to see. So, yeah, I'm not concerned about, you know, red zone like you started off with or really anything in this offense because I just saw a game plan where 
the only reason a play didn't work is because they called something that they haven't been doing too much of, you know, particularly the Wildcat stuff stands out. Wouldn't mind seeing that go away. If you want to get the ball in Rico Dowdle's hand, snap it to Prescott, have him turn around and hand it to him. That seems to work just fine. So that can be something that they'll leave on the field of Carolina. But yeah, the rest of it was just them continuing to explore all these options that they have. And Prescott's playing a hell of a uh, point guard back there right now. And it's really beautiful to watch, uh, you know, the ball get distributed to where it needs to be with a true bona fide wide receiver one to take over when you need him to. And that's CDLM, a tight end that's gaining more and more confidence by the week in Ferguson. And those, that, those two plus Pollard getting it going are more than enough to, uh, you know, have a bounce back red zone game. If that's where it's going to take against the commanders. Uh, yeah, sure. Did that not answer your question? No, you did. It was just like, um, you know, giving me the, a textbook as opposed to the, Little booklet, the blue booklets from college, the essays. Uh, I mean, I hated those books. I didn't have to know. I mean, I was a TV major. I didn't have to use them too much. But you know, those things are like stress inducing. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. So but uh, you can know everything on the test and they put that booklet down. It's like you don't you don't know anything anymore. But Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it was just really to say, uh, yeah, I felt like the red zone issues weren't exactly, you know, carryover issues it's like this game was almost like they were in the lab yeah that's that that's exactly what i was getting at you you just put it in much shorter terms but yeah they were in the lab and you know you want to be in the lab but once the game is firmly in hand they were in the lab in the second half of a one score game and well i guess maybe not so much i mean they, they were in the sense of they had to call the right plays but they went back to basics then in that, on that drive, as I mentioned, it was all, aside for one Tolbert catch, your go-tos and I am Ferguson and Pollard. So they were in the lab when they could, and it's great to see that they can go, you know, in and out of it, put on the lab coat, drop it when you have to, and pick it back up. And it's a flexible thing right now for this team to uh, get themselves in the best shape they can down the stretch. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics, but now with AI, People can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's almost like, well, you know when you come into Thanksgiving week, you're game planning two games at once. So it just looked like they kind of walk through this one, if you will, and they, they're actually planning on 
with the Washington game, which I guess we'll just segue to that. What worries you about yeah, them? Yeah, they lost to the Giants, of course, at home today. So just if you want to play the dangerous game of, you know, circle of connection in this league, then the Cowboys' two massive wins against the Giants this year. Shouldn't be any reason to worry as we start the season series now. With the Commanders, both games coming late. We have Thanksgiving and in Week 17. I think it's this ground game a little bit for Washington. You know, like I said, against the Panthers here, maybe you would have liked to see that get buttoned up a little bit more. There's some nuance to it as far as how much they were, you know, giving the looks that allowed the Panthers to run the ball that they can easily just not line up in against the commanders and do something differently and still feel like they're safe against a quarterback like Sam Howell, who presents a different type of look than what Bryce Young gave you. But they did add to their backfield against the Giants. Now, it wasn't just Brian Robinson, uh, six-round rookie Chris Rodriguez. He got in the mix a little bit with six carries for 43 yards, so it seems like they trust him a little bit more. So, you know, if they can grind this thing out, play the possession game, avoid the turnovers, does Washington, they can do what Carolina tried to do but failed to, which is, you know, make this a possession by possession game, force the Cowboys offense to drive the long field against a pretty good run defense for Washington. As we know, it's always been tough sweating, running against them. I almost don't even have to pull up the, you know, who plays for them in the starting lineups. It's just something you just automatically know, line one, when the Cowboys are playing Washington, the run game is tough. They draft an Alabama defensive tackle every year, and now Dak Prescott's going to have to throw the ball. So, We've seen some huge games where Prescott having a throw means that the Cowboys win by 40, and we've seen some times where that lack of balance causes them to struggle. So the commanders can get the run game going while simultaneously taking away the Cowboys' run game, then that might be a reason to think this game stays that close for a while. could be one reason. Um, you know, if uh, you could have that happen, and then Howell and the passing game is able to have some success. He might be able to chase out Dallas's uh, pass defense. Um, you know, I think in a dome, I don't think that they have a chance. If you could play on that, uh, you know, don't slop. hold back. Yeah, I want to see you go in on that on that field. <laughs> yeah, on the you know that slop at. Jack Kent hmm. Cook Stadium. Yeah, I think that uh, you might have a reason to worry. Yeah, the way the Cowboys are rolling up points at home, I mean, it just starts with the quarterback matchups. I mean, you hate to boil things down to that level of simplicity sometimes, but really it is that simple. It's just a matter of we know what Dak Prescott is going to do at home this year, it seems, and no reason to think it ends on Thanksgiving. And, and then do you trust yourself to say that Sam Howell can match a 30-40 point performance on the road? on a short week. And you know, I, I think that answer is pretty obvious. And so that tells you where the line is going to come out for this game and all those things. And, you know, short turnaround, we'll get it all covered for you at bloggingtheboys.com, of course. But yeah, it really is an easy line one to look at as far as the point totals Prescott's putting up at home and which quarterbacks do you think can really duel that out with him? I would have put Sam Howell anywhere near the top of that list. I can't believe they just sold out their pass rush like that, though. That was crazy, yeah. Wouldn't that be another reason to think about this game staying closer? I mean, you know, Terrence Steele had a couple moments against the Panthers here where he got beat around the edge again. So, you know, pass rush-wise, I mean, that, that doesn't grow on trees. And this is a team that came into some high hopes as far as at least selling something this year that they could be competitive. The Giants look like they're, you know, a year away from being a year away. They, they, they might not be in the mix anytime again soon. So the Commanders at least had a case coming to this year to 
play well enough to beat our third team. And then in the off season, anything can happen and you strike when somebody has a down year. But yeah, now without that, you know, feared guys like Chase Young, it definitely changes the whole long-term outlook of what that team is seemingly going for. And it wasn't like they were, you know, one and whatever. I mean, they're a four-win team when it happened. And we've seen seven-win wildcard teams. So I just don't know why they did that this year. Unless, you know, whatever. They're going to can Ron Rivera and they just want to move on. Yeah, Riverboat Ron, uh, perhaps outstanding is welcome there with this commander's regime. I mean, how fair it's been as far as trying to get the quarterback in there and do they have a chance to even get a franchise quarterback that's going to, you know, entice one of these other coaches to turn around the fate of the franchise there for the offense. That remains to be seen. But, yeah, there's only so many ways you can lean on defense in this league. And, you know, the Cowboys are kind of one of them, but their defense plays so much better when the offense puts up points. And that's, that's exactly the complementary style that you saw in this win against the Panthers. But the commanders definitely swung too far to that side of the pendulum as far as, you know, when the defense is out there, you feel good. But you start to feel way less good about the way the game is going because the defense stands on its head, but the offense never does anything. And eventually the other team takes the lead and the floodgates can open from there. We'll see if that's the case for the Cowboys at home. It certainly has been all year, but you know, nonetheless, this is the game Dallas needs to take care of business again and get ready for another turnaround against the uh, Seahawks. By the way, Dallas playing on CBS this Thanksgiving. They haven't won on CBS in Thanksgiving since 2013. Uh, in uh, when they beat the Raiders. I feel like I vaguely remember that game, but then I also remember the other Thanksgiving game against the Raiders that we don't need to talk about. Are you hyped up for Dolly Parton at halftime? Heck yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. I, uh, I'm a country music fan, as we all know, and I'm going to mention more about that in my triangle of triumph, but I could do without a little, a little less Dolly. That might get me canceled, but, you know, let's go for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that should get... Yes, that's very contentious. But uh, I know something that we can't argue about, and that's the Cowboys' birthdays. Let's go ahead and get to those. Um, So on Monday, Zach Martin turns 33 years old, and uh, that just proves he's a geezer uh, in terms of football. He had that huge block to help Tony Pollard cut back up the middle on his touchdown run and really finish this game. To finish with the run game being physical like that was so great to see. It got McCarthy fired up. It got all of us fired up, like I mentioned. So, yeah, you may be one of the vets out there, but no signs yet of Martin slowing down. Yeah, the injury bug has caught up to him at certain times here and there. But, yeah, he looked you know, as good as new when he sprung out of that block there. You got him on the move, which is when both him and other guard Tyler Smith on the left are at their best. So. Yeah, Martin springing Pollard for a touchdown was vintage Zach Martin, vintage Tony Pollard, and uh, a great way for him to start his birthday week, I suppose. And then on Tuesday, Troy Aikman turns 57. Yeah, this one I want to uh, segue for a second. You know, of course, just like the Jimmy Johnson news, we could do a whole show just talking about cool Troy Aikman stuff. But my personal cool Troy Aikman moment came uh, on a previous episode of Hidden Yardage when I got to meet him uh, here in Austin. And now I do want to say... To our listeners, and I've been going back and forth about, and to you, and this is actually news to Mark as well, which I've gone back and forth on that part of, as far as if this is the right idea to uh, be breaking this news alive to you or, or not. But uh, 
I've had some great memories in Texas, of course. I've and meeting Troy Aikman is forever going to stay near the top of that list. He was humble. He was cool enough to take a picture with me. He was kind. He presented to our whole room of uh, employees. Everything about it was cool. And uh, you know, he's gone on to have a great broadcast career and so, like so many other former Cowboys. But him and the Joe Buck booth right now is is quite good. So all the good vibes about Troy Aikman. I hate to be saying this to some extent, but my uh, Texas chapter of this and holding down, you know, the map dot for hidden yardage, having feet on the ground in the Cowboys home state is coming to an end, Mark. I'm actually going to be uh, in the process. It's a slow process. I'm still going to be here for a bit. Don't worry. But I'm in the process of moving up to uh, Montana, actually, a state that I've been very open about visiting, talking about. Uh, it's really helped me as far as the nature there, you know, disconnect when I need to. And the balance of what a state like that does in my, uh, you know, in my head compared to how we have to analyze this game has really helped me. So, yeah, it's surreal to be talking about Texas in the past tense. The time isn't quite there for yet. You know, I still have plenty of time to see my friends here and watch these games and go out. And all that's still going to be happening for quite a while. And me and you will keep in touch as far as when the transition is actually happening. But, yeah, nothing's going to change. I'm still part of blogging the boys. I'm, you're still going to get all my weekly articles. Hidden yards is still going to happen. You're still going to get pork roll references. You're still going to see New Jersey natives on the birthday list. Nothing, really nothing is changing. But yeah, a couple, you know, I won't be able to mention walking down an ATB aisle and hearing somebody mention the Cowboys. Uh, there'll be a grocery store somewhere in Montana, I'm sure, where someone's talking about the Cowboys because they're America's team and Montana doesn't have a team. I hear it's a lot of Seattle and Denver fans up there, but I'll find Cowboys fans. You know that. So, a little bit will change, um, but yeah, not a whole lot, which I'm sure is you know the good news for you to hear. But yeah, uh, my Texas chapter is closing before I, certainly before I really envisioned it. But yeah, opportunity calls in Montana, and uh, I'm excited to open a new chapter while also keeping this chapter here at the Hidden Yards podcast and blogging the boys open. Uh, you know, it's really the best of both worlds as far as doing what I've enjoyed here in Texas, but also branching out to somewhere new. I'm happy for you, Sean. You really seem to like Montana when you visited. It's a, yeah, it's a surreal place. I mean, I can't recommend it enough to anybody that's uh, a little bit outdoorsy, a little bit adventure-y. Uh, I mean, there's, there's just something undescribably magical about, you know, just driving down the road and seeing mountains and changing what your front view mirror, you know, the view in your mirror looks like. Back home, it was just nothing but, you know, yeah, you could drive by the beach sometimes, but you couldn't really see it because the houses or whatever. So back home, it was just a lot of flatland. You know, in Texas, has been an upgrade in that way as far as the hills of Austin and stuff. And there's been some nice, some mountains and some cliffs and stuff. But Montana is a whole other level as far as just, you know, appreciating the small things. And, you know, you can go for a walk five minutes outside of your, your house, wherever you may be seemingly, and really see something amazing that you don't get to see every day. So looking forward to that. And uh, how that will help balance out, you know, what we do here, like I said, and talking football and I'll continue to wear my cowboy boots and listen to country. I know that's going to fit in just fine there too. So yeah, it's going to be a good time. All right, let's go ahead and get to the triangles of triumph. Well, you start us off. Give me uh, your triangle. All right. So uh, for one of my triangles, I'm going to go with Sam Williams uh, because he got a sack today and he also managed to really make an impression on special teams as a gunner, you know, because special teams is also where things are won and lost uh, when it comes to football. Uh, I'm also going to give a uh, 
one of my triangles to Luke Schoonmaker, who caught an 18-yard touchdown pass from Dak Prescott. And then for my final triangle of triumph, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Missouri, who managed to come back and beat Florida and just continue their, not you know, not dominance because Georgia's dominating the SEC East, but really refining that program in the SEC East. And those are my triangles of triumph. Well, if I want to get to sneak a little college football in there, uh, interesting week for Texas fans here. You know, they took care of business against Iowa State, but we're hoping to get some help from seemingly Oregon State against Washington. That didn't happen. Florida State was an upset alert early, but wasn't a quarterback there was the bigger story, but they did win the game, so they get to hold down the number four spot. So we'll see how the, the rankings shape out. But what an interesting week of college football we have ahead. I mean, there's a great Black Friday schedule, and then we roll right into Saturday and Sunday. So it is a, a full three-day weekend of football after Thanksgiving, which what gets better than that. So triangle of triumph coming out of this Panthers win. I'm going to go first leg to defense. Demarcus Lawrence, you know, the old-timer, if you will, still got it. Spoiler alert for my post-game notes that I do every Monday at BTB. You're going to hear about Lawrence in there, not just a pass rush ability and running that stunt with Oso Digizua, who was by his own high standards recently. Oso, that is, was quiet in this game, but he did things like that to help Demarcus Lawrence get home. So that was really great to see. Lawrence was also great at setting the edge like he always does in the run game. Carolina you know, knew they didn't want to let Bryce Young take too many hits, so the ball was coming out quick. The screen game was an element they tried to show early, and DeMarcus was out there, you know, peeling off blocks and making stops on screens that help stop some of those plays a couple yards, you know, sort of where you thought they might go. And that difference between turning a second and five into a second and seven helps your whole pass rush. And there was one where he made a stop and then the next play Parsons had a sack. So good to uh, include DeMarcus Lawrence in a triangle of triumph. I'm going to go back to the offense for my next leg, Tony Pollard, running back. Again, just hyped up to see him go up the middle, score that touchdown, put his head down. So many of his runs up the middle have been, you know, leaving more to be desired this year. And they're starting to figure it out, though, as far as, like I said, faking it to the outside and him putting his foot in the ground and or play action type stuff to get him the ball, you know, jet sweep fakes. All these things are helping Pollard. I expect to see a whole lot more of it. He really could finally be having that breakout and no better way to put this game on ice than with Paul just going straight up the middle for a touchdown. That really was um, a defining moment and not just this game, but you know what very well could be this stretch of the season where the Cowboys are taking care of business and games that need to do so and setting themselves up nicely for that home uh, revenge game rematch with the Eagles. And then this one is really cool. So my third, whatever's on my head, type of leg for Triangle of Triumph. I have a friend here in Austin, Rose McMacken. She right, uh, just started a country music blog it's called Truck Songs, and the concept is incredible. It's not like, you know, long-form reading. You don't got to sit down in front of your laptop and read this. It's super simple. It's attainable. It's just a, a little blog. It's trucksongs.substack.com, and it's four songs, you know, every week or so. And I'm not sure. I think it's every week, you know, whatever, whenever she feels like writing one. But four songs, a little synopsis of them, why they would be good songs. I was two in a truck is basically the only premise for which songs make it. But, you know, they're just songs that – See things can make somebody smile or make somebody feel something. And to me, that's what music is all about. You know, one of my absolute favorite things in life is not just Cowboys wins, but 
when somebody gives you a song that you end up enjoying and take with you the rest of your life. You know, to me, music recommendations are a huge deal. You know, there's so much, so much music out there to be listened to. You need help sometimes navigating it. Well, truck songs is such a cool concept. Uh, just to give you a little synopsis of what this most recent one that I'm looking at is. He's got three country songs on there from Logan Mize, Joe Peters, and Tyler Hubbard. And the last line of the introduction is, this week's list is a cowboy without the horse or the cow or the boy. I mean, it's just fun stuff like that. The writing is cool. The music is great. If you like country, you're going to love it. And it's just all about songs that you can listen to in your truck to make you feel something, which I think is an incredible concept. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Rose for putting this together. And I'll be listening to many of these truck songs. He even teased me and said that he's going to put a Kenny Chesney song on there next week. I'm like, I told you I would do it before you said that. You know, everyone knows Kenny's the way to my heart as far as country music, but you don't need to go that far. But he does have a new single out, so it's timely at least. But yeah, keep your eyes out for a, a Kenny Chesney version of truck songs uh, next week. All right. Yeah, we can talk a little bit more about that next week. Maybe a little Alice's Restaurant. You know, I've never actually really heard Wait, that. Wait, if you listen to him, you've heard Alice's Restaurant, right? No, I've never heard it. What? I, I'm actually not really that musically inclined of a guy, believe it or do not. We, uh, do you know what it is? I really have no clue. I mean, it's like throwing Dak Prescott, throwing a curl route uh, to the Amish. Uh, I'm not, we won't do this now. I will text it to you off the air, but when I text it to you, just know it is a... Martin family tradition and many other families, I'm sure, to listen to this song every Thanksgiving. Um, it is a it's a long song, but it's amusing. It's fun. It tells a story, uh, and yeah, Alice's Restaurant is a, a Thanksgiving song that will you know when you when you put music at Thanksgiving in the same sentence, it has to be number one. So I look forward to your thoughts on what, what might be. It's like you can find versions of it that are probably like 15, 18 minutes. So it's, I'm giving you a bit of a chore to go listen to this one, but hopefully by next time we record, you uh. Or have heard Alice's Restaurant. Sounds good. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, everyone. Absolutely, yeah. What's better than a holiday where we also get to watch Cowboys football? It's always and quickly become one of my one of my favorites. So enjoy the family. Enjoy the football. Enjoy uh, everything that comes with this time of year that can be a whole lot of fun to uh, you know, take in, transition, and see how things are going to play out down the stretch of this NFL season because after this win, we have a lot of reasons to think that this Cowboys team is uh, really on the right track to doing everything that they set out to do. So we'll talk to you after the Commanders game. So there it is. Yeah.